0: Welcome to the May edition of the construction webinar series. Uh, my name is Tishia Rasul. I am a partner here at Lois Law Firm, uh, where I oversee the defense of uh, con- uh, workers' compensation claims that arise out of construction accidents. That's all I do. That's my specialty here. That's what my team, both the attorneys and the paralegals, do here. Um, I've been doing this webinar for a couple of years now, just talking about uh, OSIPs and CSIPs, wrap-ups in general, uh, construction claims, some of the issues that we've been seeing in the workers' compensation um, world and how we've been addressing those issues. For those of you joining me for the very first time, thank you. For those of you who have been joining me month after month, thank you for uh, coming back. Um, This month, we are going to talk about uh, the the wrap-up program, what to actually um, do in terms of assembling it, and um, the initial response. Uh, Just a reminder that this is a live uh, broadcast, and in the end, there will be a live uh, question and answer session you will see the box that looks like this you can type your question in there hopefully it'll pop up on my end and i will provide a response if we still have time if not you can always email me and um, i will provide you with a response or you can give me a call if you'd like to chat also all right so let's get into it we're talking about the the wrap-up team Uh, i may refer to it as osip throughout the webinar just because most of the clients that we deal with our OSIP clients, um, but I am using the terms uh, OSIP and wrap-up interchangeably, and last month I talked about uh, setting up this team that's very important. Um, it consists both of the workers' compensation uh, folks and the general liability folks, and um, knowing who does what and where to go for certain information at the time of a loss. So today let's talk a little bit about who should be on the team. So we start with the owner or the general contractor. If it's an OSIP, it would be the owner. If it's a general contractor, um, I'm sorry, if it's a CSIP, it would be the general contractor who is pretty much at the top, right? They're in charge of the project. Then there's a broker. I don't think I've seen a wrap-up program that doesn't have a broker. The broker is the one that uh, facilitates the, in the, the, the setup of the insurance policies. Um, some brokerage firms also offer risk management services, but they're the ones that work with the owner and the insurance carrier to get coverage for the project at issue. Um, if they're also managing risk, the broker takes a very active role in terms of uh, providing guidance and advice as to how the file should move, giving authority for certain things and pretty much overseeing how the files are handled by the insurance carrier, the TPA, and also defense counsel. The insurance carrier is the one that you know holds the insurance policy. Generally, they are administered by what is called a third-party administrator. Uh, ref- we refer to them as a TPA for short, um, but the insurance carrier is the one that holds the policy. Some of them administer it themselves, Uh, The TPA is the one that does the day-to-day handling of the claim, Um, you know, authorizing treatment, issue indemnity payments, doing the settlements, and so forth. The safety team. So every Rapopal uh, program generally has a safety team, especially um, given the fact that it's a construction job site, it's high risk, uh, could potentially result in uh, Serious injuries, you know falls from ladders and scaffolding and so forth So in order to ensure that the safety measures are being carried out on the job site It's important to have an actual safety team This contains of a number of individuals. Um, You'll have like a safety manager um, Maybe coming from an outside vendor or one of the contractor uh, like the general contractor Um, sometimes it also includes uh, you know members of the subcontractors Everyone who is part of the safety team is going to have a specific role on the job site. They're going to ensure that all of the standards, whether they're you know project specific or the OSHA standards, are being met and all of the workers are being aware of any hazards, um, that hazards are remedied if, um, if they're known, and just to ensure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to do in an effort to prevent um, you know, accidents on the job site. On-site nurse or medic, um, pretty much every wrap-up program I've seen has an on-site nurse or medic, and if they don't, they do have a facility that's readily available for them to trans, um, you know, to, to 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 call a doctor or a nurse from, and if there's a minor injury on the job site. Um, you're it a lot of times it's just a nurse, um, sometimes depending on the, the project. It could be an actual doctor who's on the job site, but it's generally a nurse or, or a medic. Investigation. Um, the wrap-up programs usually use a vendor to do their investigation. This, is, this can be both the on-site investigation that takes place on the day that an accident occurs, or, or, or um, you know, later down the road, if you're doing covert surveillance, the one that you need to send your investigators out to uh, see what the claimant's up to, These are usually done through a vendor, and the vendor is usually selected at the very beginning of the program so you know who to go to when in need. Other vendors, um, well, I just mentioned the surveillance one. The IME vendors, we should have these lined up in the very beginning also. Um, Generally, it's one or two. We know the doctors that they're going to be using. The doctors are usually vetted. Medicare secondary payer compliance issues are gonna come up in a lot of these claims, so you should have an MSA vendor uh, on hand in the event that we need to do an MSA when it comes time for a settlement. Workers' Compensation Defense Council. The wrap-up program should be choosing their defense counsel from the very beginning. Uh, Based on my experience, it's usually a panel of defense counsel, maybe two, three, four, depending on the size of the program. It's usually selected, and also the General Liability Defense counsel usually selected. So as soon as an accident occurs or is alleged to have occurred, uh, they know who to call from the very beginning. And oftentimes, General Liability Defense counsel is the one that actually goes out to the job site, so it's good to know who you're going to call when an accident occurs. So getting the team together... Now, I I know it it might seem a little counterproductive to do this if we haven't yet had an accident or an issue on the job site. However, based on what I've seen, it's important to really get everyone in the room together in the very beginning, even before the project starts. I know now times are different, so everyone's doing uh, meetings virtually, so it's okay to schedule one of those meetings also, just so that everyone can meet each other. Um, you know, there should be a, a, like a booklet or a list with all of the, um, the parties, the team members, uh, contact information, what their role is going to be. There should be information about the phases of the project, um, the physical aspect of the job site. I'm talking about specific dimensions. Uh, does it also include maybe a little part that's, you know, not, not on this particular block that it's on, something that could be considered offsite, but it really isn't? Uh, the contractors. Who are your general contractors? Who are the subcontractors? Uh, what kind of trades are going to be in the project? Uh, which unions are you going to be uh, using workers from? It's important to know that also. Lingo and unique aspects of the project. So I've I've seen um, every every project has you know some some keywords that they they use uh, that's only familiar to the specific project. It's good to know what those are, so when you're having a conversation with one of the team members about something that happened on the project and they use this lingo that's not not something that's usually used, at least you'll become familiar and you'll understand what they're talking about. Defense counsel is going to know what they're talking about. It's also good for defense counsel to know because when speaking with, with witnesses or taking the claimant's testimony, Um, anything that's unique to the project uh, all team members should be aware of it anticipated hazards and obstacles um, I mean there are times when the project would know that you know something could potentially be an issue for example if you're maybe like a flood zone uh, when it rains you know there might be flooding on the job site that's something we're going to have to address um, take precautions or address at the at the time when it happens um, anything that is known at the time of the, you know, putting together of the program, I think it should be shared with all of the parties, especially your safety people and your defense counsel and your claims handler. So they know how to address those issues or factor in those issues when thinking about the compensability of a claim. Oh, and your, your, Safety team and medic, they should also be part of the meeting. Um, they're, they're full of knowledge. They should um, be able to tell everyone what the plan is, the safety plan, how often there are going to be meetings, uh, what the procedure is for reporting an incident, how it's going to be done, how it's going to be papered up, um, who uh, an injured worker needs to go to in the event of an issue. So all of these parties really should be in the same room at the same time. Uh, before the project even starts, um, to, just to become familiar with each other and ask questions and um, you know start off on the right foot. Um, when you are setting up the meeting uh, for everyone to be together, what should we be doing? So we should be publishing team contacts and um, the OSIP or CSIP manual. I've noticed that not a lot of people are familiar with the the OSEP manual or the wrap-up manual, but this is the document that delineates everything about the project, right? The purpose of the project, what's going to be built, uh, the uh, parties that are going to be on the project, the contractor, subcontractor, the process for enrollment, um, all of the safety safety, uh, issues, the vendors, and so forth. All of these things are included in the policy manual. We should be requesting those, as defense attorneys, we should be requesting those for every project that we're working on, because it has all of this information and can provide a lot of guidance in the defense of the claim. Uh, We should also be setting up a timeline for action to be taken. Now, this is extremely important, probably one of the most important um, purposes of having everyone together and having this meeting, doing this introduction. Everyone should know what the timeline Is for the action. So the first 24 hours if you're going to do an investigation which is something I highly recommend, who are the parties that are going to be a part of that investigation? They should all be aware, they should know who to contact, who's going to be involved. The first 48 hours, the first week, who's going to make a decision about the compensability of the claim? Are you going to call your Workers' Comp Defense counsel, or is this a decision that's going to be made um, by the claims examiner and the broker, and the insurance carrier, and the owner, who's going to be involved in these decisions. Um, just my two cents, I have to add it because of what I've seen in some of the claims that I handle is I recommend calling your workers' comp defense attorney uh, for input on what to do in terms of uh, whether to accept or deny a claim. The reason is sometimes we see things that are not very obvious or we can predict things given the potential venue of the claim or the job site or maybe other similar claims we've handled, and we can provide uh, tailored advice in terms of whether to accept or deny, what to accept for, what to deny for, red flags. Um, We would also be able to uh, give some input in your investigation, so I I would recommend get looping in your Workers' Comp Defense counsel within the first 24 hours to help you with those decisions. Um, you should also be outlining loss reporting rules um, what's going to happen when uh, an, an accident occurs what, what are the next steps right what's going to happen when an accident is being alleged we see a lot of those unwitnessed accidents what is the protocol who does the writing up on, uh, uh, who does the writing up of it where does the write up go uh, when does the broker get involved? When does the claims handler get involved? When does the owner get involved? When does the medic get involved? These are all I know it sounds like very um, Specific and you're getting down to like the nitty-gritty, but it's really really important in Order to ensure that you know the process is smooth And here's where you're probably gonna laugh at me when I tell you you should have a drill You really should have a drill make up an accident, right? Um, Report it to everyone and see how it plays out, see how it unfolds. The first 24 to 48 hours are the most crucial, so your drill really should be focused on those um, on the the first two days and that's when you'll know whether your process is set up to run smoothly. Those who who should be involved uh, will be involved, they'll know the right person to go to and of course since it's a fake accident you're making up for the purpose of the drill, it's going to be harder to Drill beyond the first 24 hours or beyond the first week, but it's definitely worth it. All right, so at the time of the loss, so we talked about the first um, 24 hours being so important. I think the initial response is key. Um, especially when there's been a catastrophic accident, right? We need to preserve the evidence. You need to get your investigator out there. You need to get your defense counsel out there to help preserve the evidence. As we know, the job site is very organic, it's moving. Um, The workers who may be there at the time of accident, they may not be there tomorrow because the job has ended. The machinery that's there today may not be there. It might be moved. All other evidence might be moved or shifted. If you wait a week, the the area where the job occurred, uh, I'm sorry, the area where the accident occurred may not look the same a week later because the construction just continued, right? There's no stopping the construction. So it's very important to do an immediate on-site investigation. Get your, um, get your team out there. Let them preserve all the evidence, take photos, get the witness names and contact information. Witness statements are very important, but more so the contact information, because when they're no longer in the job site, at least we'll be able to still get in touch with them. Getting your attorney involved, it's really the preference of the wrap-up program. I know the general liability attorneys usually go out with the investigators. Um, sometimes we've gone out also as workers' comp defense attorneys. We also need to see what's happened, what the job site looked like, um, to help with our cross-examination of the claimant, to help when we're speaking with the witnesses, and putting everything together for the trial. I'm a little ahead of myself here today, it looks like. <laughs> All right, so this is the importance of the initial investigation that I just uh, went uh, went through. Um, before we end, actually, so moving moving on after the 40, the, the first 48 hours. Um, it, so just a reminder: the workers' compensation claim moves very, very quickly. So getting this team in place um, in the very beginning it would help your workers' compensation claim um, and your attorneys to provide a proper and solid defense. This is important because generally when there's an accident on a construction site. And I am yet to see an accident without a uh, third party or a general liability component. So usually when there's one, they file a GL claim. The claimant's attorneys know how it works. Um, The workers' compensation attorneys, they are friends with the plaintiff's attorneys. Hey, I got this workers' comp claim on the uh, construction site. You're going to file a GL claim. The only times we don't see the GL claim is if they're claiming occupational or repetitive injury claim. Now, the workers' comm claim, and I spoke about this a few months ago, but this is, I, I would just like to reiterate the reason why it's important to get your team together and make sure everyone knows their role in the very beginning. The workers' comm claim goes so quickly. You can go from uh, accident to a trial in 30, 45, maybe 60 days. It's not a lot of time to get all of the information you need, all of the documentation, the evidence, even the witnesses. I mean, it might seem like a long time, but it goes by so quickly. So getting your defense counsel involved from the very beginning, getting all of the evidence to them, uh, getting them to be part of the decision-making process would really help to tee up a defense, especially if you're denying a claim. So from a workers' comp perspective, um, I, I think it's extremely important. I have seen cases where, um, you know, on, on smaller projects uh, where things aren't going so smoothly in the very beginning, defense counsel aren't being brought in, the claims being accepted, and then 60 days down the road, we're like, oh, wait, we shouldn't, should not have accepted the claim. And it turns out because, you know, there wasn't really a collaboration for a proper investigation done in the very beginning. So my my word of advice is do it from the very beginning, do it even before a loss, and uh, re- remember that it's it's better to deny a claim, to do a thorough, a thorough investigation, and then accept it. If you accept a claim, it's kind of hard to, wa- to walk that back, um, so we want to try to avoid that also. Alright, so today's session is really short, I just wanted to wrap up this. Um, uh, discussion about why it's important to have a team on these uh, wrap-up programs, the purpose of the team, and when the team should start working, which is before the accident occurs. Next month, we're going to talk about um, legal issues in coordinating defense. So I guess that's where it gets a little juicy or maybe boring, depending on how you look at it, but we're going to talk about some of the issues we face. We work a lot with General Liability Defense counsel, trying to move the cases together um, because we're trying to save our clients uh, money, reduce exposure, and also to close out the claims quickly. However, there are some hurdles that we oftentimes face, but we have found out ways to um, overcome those hurdles legally, ethically, um, and doing just the right thing. And those are the things that we're going to be talking about next month. All right, let me take a look and see if there are any questions. Questions. All right, so I don't see any questions. If you think of anything later, go ahead. You can send me an email or give me a call. I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Also a reminder, um, my construction defense handbook, we have an updated 2022 version. If you would like a copy, I do have them in PDF so you can search them. I'd be more than happy to send you a copy if you haven't received it uh, already. All right, everyone. Thanks again. Happy May. I'll see you here next month. Take care.